0: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to The Danger Room, the X Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name's Adam. My name's Jeremy. X-Men number sixty-seven, the December nineteenth. Wait, what? <laughs> the nineteen
1: seventy 1970 through nineteen seventy-five issue of X-Men. <laughs> That's right. This is the episode in which we get to discover uh, what exactly happened between nineteen seventy 1970 and nineteen seventy-five uh, with the X-Men and. I personally knew of a few of these things but most of it I really didn't know and I think it all leads up to something which is kind of interesting to me. So we'll try to do this period some justice but how many issues are there here Adam?
0: I I, I may have miscounted but I counted 37 issues which means we're going we're going to attempt to get it all in one episode.
1: One a 37 hour episode. Yeah. <laughs> We may never get to giant-sized X-Men number one. Right up. Without, you know, mincing words, let's just jump right into this. Uh, Basically, when we last left the X-Men in number 66, they had kind of this little farewell moment with the professor in bed and a little question mark saying, and they fought happily ever after? And uh, then we got the editor's note saying that the X-Men had been canceled. Um. But then you said that in your omnibus that the returns came in a few months later and they were noticing that there was a resurgence in popularity with the X-Men. So I almost wonder if this uh, 37-issue backstory, if you want to call it, was testing the waters maybe? Or if it was just like, well, we got these characters, let's just make some stories with them. I, I'm i going with option B. Yeah? I want to say that there was like a, a more grand plan, but you're probably right. <laughs> there
0: definitely seems like there's a, a grand plan forming towards the end of these 37 issues, but we'll talk about that when we get there.
1: Yep. Okay. So the first issue we've got is, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, but Amazing Spider-Man number 92.
0: This issue is from January 1971. And it is titled, When Iceman Attacks. And the story is by Stan Lee, and the art is by Gil Kane and John Romita.
1: So this would mark the first outing of the X-Men outside of their own, well, without their own title. And I guess it's just Iceman. So it's really just Iceman. Yeah. So, uh, okay. So Spider-Man was arguing with Bullet and Gwen. So Gwen Stacy's alive. Oh, man. (laughs) This goes back, doesn't it? (laughs) Uh, Spoilers, Gwen Stacy dies. And this bullet guy, again, not from Spider-Man lore, but I guess he's running for public defender or attorney general or something of the city of New York, and he's got it out for Spider-Man. Something like that. And so he's about to make this connection that Spider-Man and Peter Parker are the same person. Spider-Man says, I got to do something to clear my alter ego's name. So he kidnaps Gwen.
0: He, He grabs her and jumps out the window. And is, you know, swinging his webs over the city when down below on the street, a young man and his young lady friend, who is not Zelda or (laughs) Lorna, and uh, the young man being Bobby, uh, looks up and they see Spider-Man. And uh, it looks like Spider-Man's kidnapping some sort of woman. So Iceman rushes his girl into a taxi and uh, quickly ices up and goes after him.
1: He says here that he's been out of action with the X-Men long enough anyway. So it's kind of setting up this thing that maybe the X-Men have closed their doors for a little bit. But uh this time he's he's going to he's going to have to do this mission alone. No time to call the X-Men. So it's a it's one of the very first cases uh in an ongoing theme of a case of mistaken identity where one hero <laughs> notices another hero doing something that doesn't seem quite right. And rather than asking questions or doing investigation, just jumps to the conclusion that the other hero is a bad man.
0: It's the Marvel way.
1: <laughs> so that's basically what happens here. Iceman jumps up onto the roof and uh, and basically attacks Spider-Man.
0: Eventually, they, of course, resolve their issues. Iceman re- re- reveal uh, re- realizes that Spider-Man is the good guy. And uh, they join forces to take down bullet
1: well and it's it's another one of those cases where they fight for a little while and there's a draw because apparently that's like stanley's things like whenever i had two heroes fighting i always had it end in a draw um that way he wasn't playing favorites Uh, and what it also seems to be is then one hero will follow the other hero to wherever the bad the real bad guy is and then observe the other good guy observing the bad guy and then realize oh (laughs) he's not a bad guy after all We should work together.
0: (laughs) Which is exactly what happens. Iceman spies Spider-Man spying on Bullet who has kidnapped Robbie Robertson or Robbie Robertson?
1: Yeah, it's Robbie Robertson. He gets kidnapped eventually by some of Bullet's goons. One of the things that I kind of like about this um, particular story is how he really, this Bullet guy, is really using the media to his power to drum up uh, all this fear about Spider-Man and, and, uh, you know, it's... Kind of, you know, probably what was happening in uh, the political system at that time and kind of what happens, you know, recently with, with what's going on. In- <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: Nothing nothing ever changes. The Marvel Universe never changes. Our world never changes. <laughs> Maybe we're in a comic book.
1: Yeah, it's good. that would be awesome, wouldn't it be? <laughs> Somebody's just turning the page and like, yep, they're podcasting again. <laughs> it's not a very good comic book. <laughs> yeah, it's very, very boring. <laughs> Anyways, Robbie is uh, kidnapped and somewhere in there, they use a little bit of, uh, uh, there's some racy stuff going on here where he's like, you just watch yourself, black man. I don't remember exactly where it was. And J. Jonah Jameson. Yeah, there's
0: definitely some racism <laughs> happening here.
1: But J. Jonah Jameson, he's just like, look, I may hate Spider-Man, but you're a lunatic and I don't like your hate group, so I'm going to stop backing you. And that's when, uh, that's when Bullet goes off the deep end and kidnaps Robbie.
0: Kidnaps Robbie. Spider-Man tracks, well, Spider-Man follows uh, Bullet, who has Robbie with him, back to his secret lair. Iceman follows Spider-Man. That's when Iceman sees Spider-Man spying on Bullet, realizes he's a good guy. They team up, and after Bullet leaves, they stop the crooks and save Robbie, uh, saving the day, and then they go to some sort of public uh, convention of, of bullets where he's
1: giving a speech and they have the proof to bring him down. So they do. I love it. It's it's so neatly wrapped up where they come in and they're like, Sam, Bullet is a liar and a crook. And they're like, we've got the proof. And it's Spider-Man and Iceman just standing at a door. And then Bullet breaks down. He's like, no, you're right. No. I was going to kill Robertson, but I didn't. Uh, woe is me. And then everybody leaves. It just seems to be like in, in real life, it would probably be a little bit more drawn out than that, where they'd be like, there's no proof of that. I don't know.
0: It's wrapped up in a neat little package. And probably the majority of the people at the meeting would be supporting him no matter what anyway. Exactly. Because he would just go along with whatever their ideologies are.
1: <laughs> so <laughs> Sam Bullet is uh, taken away by the police, and uh, we don't really see where Iceman goes, but that's the end of that issue. I will see him again. Oh, we will, but
0: but not in Avengers eighty eight. The next appearance of a X Man, uh, a very brief appearance. This is the May nineteen seventy one issue titled "The Summons of Cyclops." <laughs> Cyclops. <laughs> it's a story by Harlan Ellison, adapted by Roy Thomas. Art by Sel Basima. Do you remember him from number 66? I do. Harlan Ellison is a famous sci-fi writer.
1: The artwork in this issue is much better than in issue 66. But I read this whole issue, and really there's like two panels of the professor. A couple of key things I want to point out is that Giant Man's outfit in this comic is gay. <laughs> it is so gay
0: he's goliath at this is point he Goli- whatever he is and it's hawkeye at this point isn't
1: it is that how it works
0: yeah i believe hawkeye has now gotten the powers of goliath and he's running around as goliath
1: oh good lord whatever but whoever is goliath it's so gay <laughs> do yourself a favor or maybe not and uh google the avengers issue 88 cover and just check out uh, Goliath. And then Cyclop is kind of cool. Um, he's just this bug man. With, and and we get a couple of panels later on in the comic book of bug vision which is kind of neat.
0: The things that I took away from this issue that kind of lead into the next one we're going to do is that Professor X and Reed Richards are working on some sort of device to trap the Hulk in an alternate dimension. And oh. rather than doing that, he ends up getting stolen by Cyclop and shrunken at the end of this issue. Where between this issue and our next issue, Incredible Hulk 150, he goes into some sort of microverse, falls in love with some green-haired girl named Jarella.
1: it's all connected, man. Can we do this justice without not doing all of the comic books that are related? (laughs) No, maybe not. And it doesn't matter. But I want everybody to realize that issue 88 literally had two panels of Professor X helping Reed Richards, and that is it. Yes. (laughs) Next.
0: Uh, Incredible Hulk number 150, the April 1972 issue. This one is called Cry Hulk Cry Havoc, uh, written by Archie Goodwin and with art by Herb Trimpey and John Severin, Marie Severin's husband.
1: The uh, artwork in this comic is quite good, I think. Yeah, Herb Trimpey
0: is pretty good. He was like a, a classic G.I. Joe artist. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's actually going to do all the Incredible Hulk issues that we're going to cover, Oh, I believe. So as we start this issue, the Hulk is on the run from the army, as he quite often is. He manages to escape, and uh, he gets chased by some helicopters. And then there's a courtroom trial where they discuss the operation that they're going after the Hulk for.
1: The the government has called uh, General Ross in because they feel like he's squandering resources and not making any progress with Operation Hulk Bust or whatever. Which, to be fair, is true. I, I got to be honest. I never realized, you know... If you were to read, like, the entire Hulk run, the amount of money the U.S. government is spending to try to capture this guy. (laughs) And really, you know, it doesn't seem like maybe, I mean, I haven't read that many Hulk comics, but he doesn't seem like he's that destructive. You know, he jumps around here and there, but, like, the destruction comes in when the Hulkbuster units come in and start trying to take him out. Well, right, but I
0: think the idea or part of the idea is that the American government, at at some point, at some points they want this to keep going because they want to use the Hulk as a weapon.
1: Oh, I think I did gather that in a future issue. Okay.
0: Or Hulk-like people. They want to figure out what makes the Hulk so that they can make a a whole army of Hulks.
1: So there's some courtroom argument or whatever. But meanwhile, uh, the Hulk is uh, following after, trying to find Jarella. And uh, he sees a girl, a green-haired girl, driving a um, convertible being chased by motorcycle men. And uh, assumes that this must be Jarella, and so he swings in to save the girl.
0: Now I'm not sure, what I think Jarella also had green skin.
1: So, well, anyways, Hulk is confusing the hair for sure, uh, and so he doesn't really get a close look. Uh, but meanwhile, this mystery green-haired girl has escaped the car uh, and is kind of running towards a cabin in the middle of the desert.
0: Well, she's kind of she's even
1: walking. I guess she's not running. She's she's walking. She's like, she's so casual about this. Oh, some, the Hulk just smashed a bunch of motorcycle people. I guess I'm going to walk casually over to that little building over there. I think
0: the, the ones that the Hulk smashed are so far behind that she didn't actually see them.
1: Okay. Could be.
0: she said, at least all of the mob cyclists didn't keep up the chase. I couldn't have handled more than those few. <laughs>
1: Okay, so she took out a couple. I see what's going on.
0: And then that's when a motorcyclist shows up to run her down. Did we mention this is Lorna Dane?
1: I don't think we've fully established that in the comic, but yeah, it's Lorna Dane.
0: And uh, the biker who is attacking Lorna gets blasted, and it turns out... He's blasted by a non-costume-wearing uh, Havoc, Alex Summers. And that's when they reveal that this is Lorna and Alex of X-Men fame.
1: So apparently there was uh, a little come-to-blows between Alex and Iceman over Lorna Dane. So sometime after issue 66, they got into a little uh, jealousy rage over Lorna and Havok let—well, actually, Iceman attacked Havoc first, and then Havok just unleashed all of his power at um, Iceman, and he thought he really hurt Iceman.
0: He thought he killed him. Yeah,
1: so he thought that at this point uh, it would be better for him to go where he couldn't hurt anybody, which would be in the middle of—I think they're in Arizona.
0: In a in a very tall—what uh, is this, a mesa? <laughs>
1: well, that's what I want to say. I don't know if that's the right word, but— uh, Ad- Adobe hut? <laughs> something like that. It's got clay walls and the sticks that stand out of the side. Very southwestern. The
0: uh, Havoc and Lorna Dane get into a kind of argument. Uh, she's trying to convince him to come back. Well, Professor X sent her out to get Alex to come back. And he's like, well, I don't want to come back. And I've and, and that's the only reason you came out here? Well, that sucks, lady. <laughs> and she's like, I didn't come to sell you anything. I came because I cared. And then he realizes, oh, I've been a fool but then as she's running away and he's starting to go after her, the Hulk gets in the middle. Yeah, He, he just lands with a mighty, thoom. get back or get smashed.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I guess Lorna also came to tell him that they needed his help to save the world. I don't remember because there were 37 issues after all. If we go back to that sentiment or if that was just a writing device.
0: Yeah, that's that's a good point.
1: So, we'll have to just kind of make a mental note of that because I honestly don't remember well,
0: no it's it's not it's not specifically stated that it's it's stated she says that his uh alex's power can be used to save oh. the world. She doesn't say that he needs to come back. Because they have to save the world.
1: Okay, so there's not like a particular mission that they need him for. They just want him back because he right. was a valuable exactly. member of the team. Okay, so uh, he runs in and grabs his suit, which he reminds us uh, has uh, the concentric circles, which gauges his energy output. So he knows kind of what amount of damage he's going to do.
0: Although he didn't need it for the motorcyclist.
1: No, no. no. <laughs> he just let go on that one. And uh, so he, he, by the time he has come out uh, of his Adobe in his costume, I guess the Hulk has taken off, and I think has captured Lorna and carried him to the top of a um, boot.
0: Yeah, the Hulk grabs Lorna, carry carries her to the top of a what you called it a boot?
1: Uh, B u t t e, a butte.
0: I was gonna say mountain.
1: It's but... off, like a flat top mountain that they have in Arizona.
0: At any rate, he gets <laughs> to the top, and he, he he finally looks at her, and he's like, Hey, you're not Jarella.
1: <laughs> Green hair fool, Hulk. Confuse him. And maybe on purpose. Stupid Hulk. Yeah, I feel bad for the Hulk. Uh, and meanwhile, there's a car coming, and it turns out it's the Glenn and... Uh, what's her face? Glenn Talbot and Betsy... Ross. Uh, Ross. Yeah. It Betsy it, or Betty, I can Betty, remember. Betty, I think it's Betty, Betty Ross. And, uh, whatever... <laughs> that's a, a storyline onto its own. Lorna talks to the Hulk and says, no, you're wrong that she wasn't trying to confuse him, but Hulk's not really hearing much of it.
0: And that's when Alex blasts the side of the butt <laughs> <laughs> yep. with a mighty Bukow, and then Hulk realizes that it's it's on, because that's, that's what Hulk likes to do. He likes to fight.
1: So he's getting ready to smash But uh, as he jumps his way down from the top, um, Alex shoots him again with his Havok power. Hulk goes flying. They fight for a little
0: while. Hulk isn't able to actually attack Alex because he can't get close enough, but he does whip the ground out from underneath him. And then he grabs his arm and, I don't know, With the Hulk grabs your arm, your arm's toast.
1: (laughs) Yeah. There's nothing on Alex's suit that would prevent that arm from not coming off, but whatever. Uh, Alex is able to uh, defend himself against that. And uh, at this point, the Hulk decides to grab the side of the butt. Yeah. He basically, he, wow,
0: this is an impressive feat for the, mm-hmm. It's like, it's almost a full page spread, but um, he, he rips a whole section, the section that Lorna Dane happens to be standing on of, of the rock. And he's going to throw it at,
1: Alex. He's
0: mad. And uh, he even, he, Alex points out that Lorna is on top of it, but Hulk's not really having it.
1: Hulk's ready to smash. uh, Buddy, he, he continues to talk. I don't know what exactly happens here. Alex is kind of talking to himself.
0: Lorna will die unless the Hulk sets that thing down. And gently, oh lord, gently. <laughs> how does your great power make him do that? Havoc how?
1: And the Hulk is still getting ready to throw the mountain at him. Uh Alex is beaming with power. He remembers some words that the professor must have said about incentive and training. And he's this is I guess when he admits like the incentive is saving the girl I love. Right. And the training, it's got to be on the job. <laughs> then he makes like a very pinpoint precise blast of his power into the Hulk's brain.
0: Yeah, I'm based on well, it's his forehead, but yeah. he, he says he's targeting his mind.
1: And so I guess what this is doing is it's making the Hulk weary, but just slowly enough so that the Hulk can slowly lower the mountainside, not just simply drop it, presumably killing Lorna Dane. And, of course, this plan works.
0: And he does manage to put it down, and, and I guess he leans it against the rock that he took it off of. And then this is weird. Alex uses his power to tele uh, teleport?
1: Telekinetically.
0: Or, yeah, telekinetically move Lorna from the top of the rock down to the earth, which, I don't know, does he ever do that again?
1: No. His power <laughs> is to blast things, not to levitate people.
0: I can even lower Lorna to earth by using a force beam to counteract the pull of gravity.
1: <laughs> really? that's a power we will never see again uh the hulk turns into bruce banner because he's sleeping and alex and uh lorna leave because they're going to go back to the x-men
0: maybe i won't always be able to get it together like i did today but i'm going back with you lorna and i'm going to try
1: betty just a little final wrap up here showing that marvel's all about the drama Betty runs up to Bruce and says, Oh it's you, I'm I'm so happy to see you in in a word and Oh he's trying to speak to me and Bruce whispers Jorella Jorella my love and that's when Betty loses it. Dun, dun, dun. And then I believe soon after marries Glenn Talbot. But anyways, that's a whole other story. <laughs>
0: We are moving on to the March 1972 issue of Amazing Adventures number 11, featuring one Hank McCoy in an uh, issue titled The Beast by Jerry Conway and Tom Sutton.
1: We open up with a panel of a hairy gray beast stalking a girl. Oh,
0: who's a this guy.
1: new character? It's a guy, actually. It's not a girl. But yes, I don't know. He calls himself the Beast, but he certainly doesn't look like any beast I know. For sure. Yeah, he's in the genetic research subdivision, so we know something weird is going on. And there's a man who apparently is uh, who's dressed as a security guard who is trying to, I guess, steal something from the genetics lab.
0: And the guy breaks into the genetics lab using some sort of fancy... I don't know what that is. Is that like a laser beam?
1: Uh, It's like a spray fogger that might show you like the laser pattern, but there's no laser. I don't know what it is. It's just well,
0: he manages to open the door and (laughs) break into Genetic Research Subdivision
1: Twelve Slash Classified Area,
0: and that's when the mighty beast attacks him.
1: We learn a couple of things about the beast. He's athletic, strong, and uh, he is impervious to gunfire. He can get shot, and the bullets just kind of bump, uh, bounce right out.
0: He thinks to himself, Hank, what's happening to you? Oh, oh, Hank? What? I know somebody named Hank. Who calls himself the Beast? Blow my mind.
1: He takes this guy, and he kind of drops him off in front of the uh, the soldiers that have now amassed their, themselves outside of the genetics research lab. And then he says a,
0: a classic line from Renan Stimby. I told you I'd shoot! but you wouldn't believe me. Why wouldn't you believe
1: me? <laughs> and he scampers off to be hidden.
0: Yeah, bullets do hurt him, but they, do, they, they don't they do wound him mortally.
1: We'll find out later that he's got a healing factor, basically. Right. Uh, so apparently, uh, the guy that was trying to steal whatever from the genetics lab uh, was killed. The The soldiers killed him. And this kind of upsets Hank, because Hank, I think, thought that if he... Did what he did. He could stop the villain and also, you know, keep everybody alive or something like that. Yeah, he
0: feels responsible.
1: So he runs back into a maximum security genetic research. He runs by a desk that contains the name Hank McCoy.
0: And then it is revealed that he is Hank McCoy.
1: It is Hank McCoy that is this beastie man. He jumps into a machine. He sets the timer, turns the key. And apparently, it's too late. He's too late for something.
0: The chemical processes are complete. The the metamorphosis is irreversible. How could I have been such a fool?
1: How? He's all upset. Don't look at me that way, he says to his picture of his former comrades of the X-Men. And he says that he was wrong and all of his was wasted and he's nothing but a beast now. And we get a quick flashback. Back to the old X-Men days, post-66.
0: Yes, he is leaving the team to go uh, work a job at the Brand Corporation.
1: Apparently he wants to use his, uh, his curiosity over mutations to try to further discover what it is in mutants that makes them the way they are. And maybe, well, who knows, develop a cure, develop a reason, whatever. But that's what he wants to do over at the Brand Corporation. And so the X-Men wish him good luck. Marvel Girl gives him a little kiss on the cheek.
0: And it's a very sad moment. Everybody cries. hmm I feel like Bur- bursting right into tears. And Cyclops uh, says Gene and, and Cyclops says, Well, you wouldn't be alone, Gene. We'll all miss Hank.
1: The only worry is, Will he miss us? The angel asks.
0: Why is Angel holding a book of genetic mutation? (laughs) I don't know. And covering up the word genetic. I don't know. It's like a sign. It's like a message
1: to the audience. He's going to mutate himself, everybody. (laughs) Uh, So Hank packs up all of his stuff, including the picture that he will later throw against the wall. Hops into his convertible and heads off to the Brand Corporation.
0: And apparently, the X Men run out to say goodbye again. Yes, there's another shot of him leaving and the X Men waving
1: gathered all around. So a couple of the different. He's a you know he's an important. He's a charter member of the X Men. Note here though that uh, I guess Lorna Dane and Havoc are potentially on their way back to the mansion. Haven't gotten their way back to the mansion, but they're not. They're not here. So I don't know if that means anything or not.
0: Yes. It's true. <laughs> I, I think it, it does mean something. I don't. I think they do. Do we do we find that they don't make it back? I guess we'll
1: we'll find out. Yeah, well, I just have to keep going. Uh, but yeah, they haven't made it back yet. Let's just point that out at this point. Um, Hank goes to meet his, Mr. Grant, his new boss. Uh, Mr. Grant in, uh, introduces him to a couple of important people. Uh, one is Professor Maddox, and then the other is. Um, Donaldson, Linda Don, Miss Donaldson, Linda Donaldson,
0: who uh, we'll, we'll be talking a bit more about. But Professor Maddox is interesting because he returns in X Factor. Co- Correct. We'll just mention that.
1: Yeah. Let that linger for a while. Well, not too long. Anyways, there's a there's a little bit of jealousy between, uh, well, from Mr. Maddox to um, Hank. Hank doesn't seem to really care much, but uh, Mr. Maddox like, stay away from me. I don't need any of your education i've got everything i need and hank's kind of like yo all right i'll i'll keep that in mind he doesn't seem to really care all that much and
0: hank says sir i and then maddox jumps in quiet i'm sick and tired of administrative bungling (laughs) i have all the assistance i and then mr brand comes in and says dude chill
1: (laughs) you guys are working independently like don't worry about this guy uh, Miss Donaldson is uh, already kind of taking an interest into uh, Mr. McCoy,
0: and uh, she is she is being his lab assistant. We get we get some shots, we get like a little time lapse uh, montage of them working together, and um, having dinner together, and going out to the uh, a drive on the on the shore together, and running off, and then and then embracing and kissing.
1: So. A quick little summer love between Hank. He, he's out of the mansion. He's got a nice job. He's got his own place. And now he's got a gal.
0: Yeah, and he's, uh, for some reason, he goes back to his apartment, gets dressed in his beast suit, and jumps around.
1: <laughs> Everything's coming up, beast, he says.
0: Why is he wearing his beast suit?
1: You would think that, like, if you were going to, like, go clean or whatever and, like, be a corporate man and drop the whole hero business, you probably wouldn't bring your superhero costume but yeah. uh, he, he does.
0: We get a whole page of him jumping around, and he jumps past Mitt Romney, who freaks out.
1: <laughs> what the?
0: <laughs> Doesn't that not look like Mitt Romney?
1: Yeah, kind of. Kind of in the first panel. The second panel, he looks like a meth head, but... Uh... Well, he's all scared.
0: <laughs> That's what Mitt Romney looks like when he's scared.
1: <laughs> okay, I guess I've never seen that. What do you mean Mormon isn't a thing? Ah! <laughs> it pops out uh meanwhile, um I guess P- Professor Maddox is trying to rush uh an experiment or something. I don't really know, but uh so he he's bothering uh Hank and Hank's kind of like, okay, I'm kind of working here, kind of busy. why don't you leave now?
0: he kind of yeah he he kicks Maddox out essentially mm-hmm. and Maddox surprisingly doesn't blow up at him, but is kind of like. You know, Carl Maddox still pulls the cords which makes grand dance regardless of his current indiscretions.
1: He's he's a little dis, uh, uh jealous because apparently uh Hank is now the number one brain boy at the brand corporation, replacing right. Professor Maddox.
0: And he's kind of spying on Hank, but I guess in the next panel he leaves because in the third panel Hank discovers or save, for saving future years of grief, he has finally Diluted the precipitate. This is the hormonal extract, the chemical cause of
1: mutation. He's got a jar of mutant in the palm of his hands.
0: Now you would think that this would be something that would return a lot. Because if Hank can just whip up mutants, does he
1: forget? (laughs) I don't know. Maybe (laughs) a lot of things happen to Hank. From this point forward, so it's altogether possible that he simply forgot.
0: <laughs> but is it not possible that someone else could discover the the chemical mutation?
1: I mean, I don't know. It just it's it's I think strange. I I don't know. I, I don't recall and I'll have to go back to the X Factor readings, but I think it's discovered that later on that Carl Maddox was playing around with some of the mutation stuff. But I, I can't quite remember. Yeah, that does make sense. So he rushes off uh, with his thoughts in his mind that he can turn any man into a mutant for a carefully controlled period of time. Maybe that's the key is that it's not permanent. Yeah. So he observes, um, as he's running by, he observes Professor Maddox um, calling somebody to talk about McCoy's findings and how they have to do something. And I guess he refers to somebody on the phone as Agent 9 and that they have to act immediately uh, to do something at 10. He'll be ready to move at
0: 10.34. McCoy usually leaves his lab by 10. You know that very well. (laughs) I'll inform Ben that the operation is on. Meet me here at midnight. So they're going to raid Maddox and a security man, uh, a plant in the the Brand Corporation, are going to raid Hank's office at 10.00. And then they're going to meet this Agent 9, who apparently already knows Hank's schedule, at midnight.
1: And uh, so Hank catches wind of this, runs back to his lab, and says, Well, as an X-Man, I could tan their hides, but everybody knows me here, so I'm going to have to do something. If I just put the Beast costume on, everyone's going to see my build and be like, Hey, the X-Man Beast is actually Hank McCoy.
0: Well, That's kind of sound, I guess. guess. It's possible it sounds thinking i I, I don't know if it would happen but
1: he does the only reasonable thing now wait a minute (laughs) (laughs) the only thing that makes any sense whatsoever he decides to drink his mutation uh serum because if it can turn a human into a mutant what could happen if it turned a mutant into a further mutation or something like that.
0: So here's what I think.
1: <laughs> yes. Rather
0: than this whole idea that it's the only possibility, <laughs> I think what's really going on is that he just has convinced himself that this is a good idea because he really wants to do it.
1: I think he yeah, he wants to trial it. He's like, oh, my God. Like, I don't have time for this to go through, uh, you know, the USDA and all of their, their drug patents and stuff. I need to find out now if it works. And this is the perfect opportunity. Nobody would get mad at me for this. And so he drinks it.
0: And it transforms him into a beast.
1: Yep, but not... He grows hair. Mm -hmm.
0: He turns all gray. He gets a little bit more beastly. He's hunched over.
1: He's got longer kind of ape-like arms. You know, one of the interesting things about this is I always assumed that Beast's hair was a copy of Wolverine's hair. Yeah, I did too. But I was wrong. Because Beast has the... You know, the feral kind of, well, the Wolverine haircut, which I guess we now need to call the beast haircut. Well,
0: I'm still going to call it. Marvel Girl had the original design because she she had the costume that had those.
1: Right. So, uh, and he jumps out the window. No time for costumes either. He's going out there in like a little sumo wrestler's uh, underwear. Yeah. I
0: guess his muscles must have expanded because all his clothes fell off.
1: Yeah. The idea here is that he's going to go stop the bad guys. Uh, or whatever's going on here but he only has maybe two hours before uh he's stuck like this permanently and so that's the clock that he's racing against i don't know
0: that's just a bad idea
1: (laughs) yeah so i mean you'd think you'd wear a watch or something so you'd be like oh my gosh i got i gotta go i'm sorry i (laughs) didn't save the bad guy or the good guy but i gotta go anyways uh he's also getting this subconscious clock ticking and, and while he's kind of hearing this in the back of his mind he's he's actually kind of wondering like oh my gosh what have I done to myself what am I trying to prove why why did I do this
0: uh, he's stopped thinking in polysyllables so he's no longer as wordy and eloquent I suppose
1: yeah he, he undergoes a slight personality change um, with his with this beast transformation
0: so now we cut to the where the comic began and then we cut to right after where we left off before he started having this flashback. What was I trying to prove? (laughs) And then he smashes the clock, which is ticking away. Shut up. Shut
1: up. Blast you. Shut up.
0: And then he trashes his office and goes after Carl Maddox.
1: Maddox. Yep. Maddox is with some armed guards, but it doesn't matter. Uh, the beast swings in, knocking out all of the guards.
0: Turns out that the uh, security man that the beast, well, that the that the the, 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 uh, the other security men killed, uh, ratted Carl out. So yeah, the beast jumps in and starts beating up guards, and well, he he actually beats up all the guards, and then he grabs. Uh, he gets shot again, but he's like, eh, whatever, I can I can I can handle this. Kind of stops him for a second.
1: He swings all those guys around. He goes for Maddox. He clenches his hands around Maddox's throat, and he's getting ready to kill him, but then he kind of backs off. and goes, oh my gosh, I don't even know what I was thinking. Uh, I'm sorry, Like uh, that's not me, and he takes off. He's like, all right, I've proven my point. Jumps out the window. He's got to go figure out what's going on with him. Uh, But meanwhile, a mystery person enters the room and points a gun at his head. Agent 9. And it is revealed here that Agent 9 is also Linda Donaldson. Linda Donaldson? That's Beast's girl. So she's not really in love with Beast? I guess not. Oh, no. And so she shoots him. And Carl Maddox is dead. Or is he? We won't find out for a long time. Moving on.
0: So now we uh, we tune into Amazing Adventures number 12 which is now being written by Steve Englehart, who will will take on the run from here on out. Uh, arted by Tom Sutton.
1: And uh, inked by Mike Ploog. Steve Englehart will take on the uh, writing duties for a lot of comic books at this point. Yes. This one is uh, about Iron Man, uh, but it does lead into a nice story in the next issue. But basically, we're kind of reeling from the events that just occurred. We get, we get
0: a nice recap, yeah. which basically leads us to Professor X trying to contact Hank because they've gotten some sort of mental feedback. Mm -hmm. Hank's been acting strangely of late. And then Gene says, he's the only one of us you've would allowed to leave.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. so the professor apparently is holding all of the X-Men hostage, except for
0: Beast. (laughs) He's like, now I'm never going to let anybody leave.
1: (laughs) We shall see, Gene. There's the vague image forming. So the Beast's picture is kind of appearing but is still fuzzy and faded and the beast at this point he's not really ready to let the world know who he is so he is able to just be like no you can't see my face and i don't want to talk right now
0: and that's when marvel girl He
1: never spoke to us like that before.
0: And it looks like she's pounding on the glass or something.
1: (laughs) It does. No, Gene, the X-Men cannot risk being seen because she wants to go to him. (laughs) Since when? He says, now this is kind of where the story goes, which kind of makes sense if you're not going to have an X-Men comic book. Remember, after your foray into Las Vegas, the humans became so frenzied over the mutant problem that we've had to stay in hiding ever since.
0: Except for me. I get to go hang with Reed Richards.
1: <laughs> well, you know. he's a Nice like,
0: man can go on dates.
1: <laughs> yeah. But the rest of you, stay in the mansion. You are not allowed to leave. Hank
0: can cope as he has always done. If he wants solitude, he shall have it.
1: And he walks down a dimly lit uh, corridor into the rain.
0: So at this point, Hank decides he needs to go back to work. But how's he going to do it as his beast guy? And this is where the story gets kind of awful.
1: <laughs> yeah, it gets a little
0: silly. He breaks into a costume shop and also a library, and he he checks out the art of makeup, and he steals some costuming supplies, and he builds himself a latex mask of Hank McCoy, Mm -hmm. of just the head and the hands.
1: And Apparently, he's built a number of these because he's spent all night trying to get it right. Uh, he's got one problem though. He's hunched over like a beast, so he devises a series of belt straps that straighten his posture. Uh, although it looks very painful. Yes, they they
0: they take three panels to just to get straight.
1: Yeah, and he finally does it. Now, what I'm kind of curious about. So, like, all right, the mask is kind of stupid because. If, this, if it was real life, how would you get the lips to move and the eyes I and mean, he's got blue eyes and:
0: Well, he's just know. like he's figured out the art of makeup in one night. yeah, and he, he is like the best makeup artist on the earth. <laughs>
1: uh, so whatever. he's tired out from all of this. Oh, I guess what I can't figure out is, isn't even anybody going to notice his slightly longer than normal arms? even if he has latex hands.
0: I don't know, maybe he, because he was always kind of beast-like.
1: So he gets all that stuff ready, and he's decided that this is this is his new life. He's got to wear latex suits in order to fit in with the normies. And so he, he goes to sleep. Uh, and the next day, he puts on his rubber suit, and he goes to work, yeah, yelling at everybody because he doesn't want people too close to him.
0: They're talking about some sort of beast creature that was at the lab last night. And then it looks like students interrupt his work, which I didn't realize this was like a college setting, but... Yeah, maybe they're interns. Mr. McCoy, we need some papers. Out, out, can't you see I'm busy? Tell everybody to keep out of here.
1: He's got mental and physical strain. He's not a happy camper. Uh, But he gets a call from Mr. Grant that there are visitors. And that visitor turns out to be... Tony Stark
0: and his girlfriend, I guess soon-to-be wife, Mary Ann Rogers.
1: So they show up. They have a little sciencey geek conversation about stuff, and, and Linda
0: Donaldson shows up because she wants to go out to lunch with Hank, and Hank is like, "Oh, you know, I'm talking to Tony Stark. That's that's pretty cool."
1: Marianne Rogers, uh, after uh, Linda leaves, says, "There's something about her I don't like. There's something wrong with her. I don't know something off."
0: And Beast then flips out. How dare you?
1: Yeah. I'm going to lunch. She's my girl, and I think I will join her for lunch. And Tony's chasing after him. but doesn't really work.
0: Turns out that Marianne Rogers has esp powers. Oh, okay. I don't know what that is. So she has, like, special intuitions about people.
1: Tony decides that perhaps the brand corporation could use a visit later on by Iron Man. Meanwhile, Hank meets up with Linda Donaldson, who notices that he's not sweating. And he just ran a whole lot. (laughs) Creepy. (laughs) And he's just like, oh, I'm just in shape. Don't worry about it. She's also like, you smell like latex. (laughs) (laughs) Why is your face so rubbery? She goes in to kiss him and he's like, oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) What have I gotten myself into?
0: I think I'd like to go eat instead of hanging out. Let's just get away from here. Stay away from me, like five feet away.
1: Proving once again what everybody already knows, Hank's not into girls. <laughs> <laughs> this just feeds everything into it. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I can't get too close to you.
0: Maybe that's why he took the potion. It was like He was like, I'm getting too close to this girl. It's getting serious. I got to keep her away somehow. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I don't know when he sleeps because all day he works as a latex man and all night he seems to run around as the beast. He gets a couple hours. Okay. And that's what he does here. And I'm not really sure what he's doing. I think he's just stretching like, oh, it's so good to be out of my straps. I just want to run around like a beast. And that's when Iron Man flies in and they fight. It's another misunderstanding, of course.
0: Yeah, Iron Man just wants to talk and uh, Beast is like not having it. They get get into a big fight. Um, Iron Man blinds Hank smashes him into a wall, says Down Boy Heal. He makes short
1: work of Beast. I mean, basically, this is Iron Man versus a Harry Hank McCoy.
0: Well, the Beast is seemingly unconscious, and and some army guards and security guards and Linda Donaldson show up, and Iron Man turns his back on the unconscious Beast, and that's when Beast, who isn't unconscious, uh, hits him on the back of the head, smashes him in the stomach, gets shot up by the guards, but... That doesn't matter. And then essentially kills Iron Man.
1: I think he he knocks Iron Man down, and then he's all mad. He's like, I am the beast. You will not talk to me like this. How does this feel? And he starts calling Iron Man a villain, which, again, come on, isn't Iron Man like a noted hero? He's an Avenger, for God's sake. Well, anyways, he doesn't matter. So he goes in, and he kills Iron Man.
0: Tonight, the beast kills and then once Iron Man's heartbeat is stopped and he's dead, the beast jumps out the window because he's, he's he's upset. Oh, no. I killed him. I lost control. I didn't mean to. Have to get to the woods. The woods are thick, dark. Humans can't catch me there.
1: And uh, I think this is Linda Donaldson who's like, Iron Man, what happened? And he's like, I have no idea. He just stood there for a couple of seconds, went into a trance, and then just scampered off about killing me. What? Yes. And then the last page. Now, everybody kind of like heard what we just said there, but it turns out that mastermind concocted a concocted a situation for beast for beast's purpose to question his actions and motivations for the sheer plot of luring beast into the ranks of the new brotherhood of evil mutants.
0: Which sounds like a solid mastermind level plan.
1: <laughs> yeah, but for those uh X-Men pros out there sounds very similar to a much more popular storyline that we'll cover in a couple uh, in a while <laughs> Does it not, Adam? I don't, what you, I'm not sure
0: what you're referring to.
1: Oh, this is the exact same plot that Mastermind used when he was working for the Hellfire Club to get Phoenix to turn into Dark Phoenix.
0: Oh, well, you know, this is Mastermind.
1: <laughs> so he's just a one-trick pony. Yeah, so Eunice Blob and Mastermind are outside the Brand Corporation, and uh, that's that's what happened.
0: So that whole scene of Beast killing Iron Man was just in Beast head. Beast head.
1: Yep, just an illusion. So Mastermind has gone from creating, like, illusions that everybody sees – to creating like a pinpointed illusion that only one person can see to confuse them. and Which is kind of a neat idea for a power.
0: That's good. We're expanding Mastermind's abilities. Who knows if he'll keep this depending on the appearance.
1: And I got to say, Mastermind looks crazy <laughs> in this last panel. And that's the end of Amazing Tales number four. 12. So then we go to...
0: Amazing Adventures number 13, yes. Still in 1972. This is bi-monthly, And this title is called Evil is All in Your Mind. And it's also by Steve Englehart and Tom Sutton.
1: We get the recap from Mastermind, who looks even crazier in this issue. (laughs) (laughs) Somehow. It's an awesome picture of him. He's just got his cloak and his little scraggly Fu Manchu and his wild, unkempt hair. But yeah, a couple pages of uh, recap.
0: Mastermind is the best person to give a recap because he can show what happens to the other people on the, on the page.
1: Yeah. Cause the other guys are like, what what happened? I, I don't get it. And mastermind is like, well, let me just show you.
0: Yeah. There's like this thing in, that happens in comics with, when they have this situation where like, Oh Yeah. I'm remembering everything that happened in the last few hours before I do the next thing. <laughs> which doesn't happen to anybody in real life.
1: No, it's a trend that seems to go in the late 60s into maybe the early 80s. And then I think they stopped doing it. But uh, yeah, there's a lot, of, a lot of pages devoted to recapping. Which I guess, you know, if you're a new person purchasing a comic book and you're like, well, who are these? who are these people and why are they doing this? It's a good way to get you caught up. So anyways, uh, Mastermind, now that uh, Beast has kind of run off, uh, Mastermind's plan is to now set the forest on fire with Illusion and direct the Beast back to them so that they can have a conversation about uh, him joining the uh, new Brotherhood of Evil Mutants led by Mastermind. And we get a quick little demonstration of Blob's powers and Eunice's powers and Mastermind's powers. And the Beast has kind of, I guess, lost it. Like, he doesn't quite recognize what's going on. He's very beast-like, almost Hulk-like, where he's just acting out of uh, emotion and nothing else.
0: He's in a berserker rage.
1: Yeah. And uh, after a lot of that, uh, Mastermind does, in a very like uh, snidely whiplash pose there on page four, I think it is, convince Beast to help them out.
0: We are dedicating to fighting the human's corrupt system. We are homo superior. We should be human humanity's superiors so we can ensure peace and freedom for all, man and mutant alike. That makes no sense.
1: And then on page five, this top right-hand panel is also just amazing with his big (laughs) wide mouth and wide eyes and just flapping hair everywhere. Behold, beast! Behold your new home! That's exactly what he sounds like, too. His new home is the carnival. I mean, where else do you hide if you're the new brotherhood of evil mutants and apparently you lack the resources that Magneto brought to the group? (laughs) Hide in the circus. We fit in here. So uh, we flash back to the Brand Corporation. You got some soldiers coming in, a mysterious redheaded girl who is not uh, Jean Gray, but is somebody important.
0: They they hired this new guy to, I guess, head security because of the whole beast situation, and this is his wife.
1: Yes, his name is B- Buzz, and I can't remember her name. We'll, we'll find out in a moment. Buzz.
0: Baxter, and she is Pat Baxter.
1: And so they get a little tour of the uh, the facility, and they make their way to Hank McCoy's office, and notice that he's not here right now.
0: This is a pretty, pretty crazy facility.
1: There's very, there's like bubbling beakers, but not just beakers, beakers that are like a hundred times their normal size.
0: They, they go from the floor to the wall.
1: And so they, they realize that there was some foul play with Maddox, and they're wondering if Beast was involved in the same thing. And uh, they approach Linda Donaldson and say that they want to talk to McCoy, and uh, they think that his project is somehow tied in with the Beast, and perhaps he's kidnapped or killed. Oh, no, not Hank!
0: They get her all riled up. She thinks to herself, oh, no, is right. Hank's my assignment here. If I shot medics and worked my way into prominence here just to have my quarry captured or killed by some mindless monster, dot, dot, dot.
1: Pat joins in like, oh, don't worry. It'll be fine. We'll find him. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it, honey. And so they head off to Hank McCoy's apartment. Buzz, <laughs> whatever his name is, he's going to barge into Hank's um, apartment.
0: He's going to bust the door down.
1: In the apartment, we see a Hank McCoy mask next to a makeup kit by something called FX, I think. Or it says fix. One of the two. I uh,
0: don't oh, no, He has a skeleton key that he's planning <laughs> to use.
1: Oh, right. Well, you could do that in the seventies. Like, I'll just use my skeleton key. Uh but Pat's like, she's the she's the um the, the conservative one of the group. And she's like, no, don't, it's illegal. Let's let's he hasn't done anything wrong yet. So they take off and
0: so they leave. And as they're leaving outside there's a mysterious woman.
1: Another mysterious woman.
0: Who's thinking about Hank McCoy. Hank Hank McCoy? Has that redhead been to see Hank? If he's involved with her, what will happen to my hopes and my life?
1: And so she wears glasses, as we see in this outline. And we also get a little note here. Who indeed is this strange girl? So it's not Linda, and it's not Pat, and it's not Jean Grey. So some other woman. And I'm woman. assuming
0: it's not Velma from Scooby-Doo.
1: <laughs> Probably not. So the New Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, they have a plan, and it involves stealing a giant diamond.
0: Mastermind's going to use the—he's going to create an illusion of of actually selling the diamond. They'll have the diamond. They'll show it to the purchaser. The purchaser will realize it's a real diamond, and then Mastermind will do an illusion thing where the 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 purchaser thinks he's buying it, and then they just sell it over and over again and make money.
1: Yeah, that's his plan.
0: And Beast is like somehow this seems so wrong,
1: mm-hmm. but there's no time
0: for thinking. Now it's time to go. So what? And then we get this. Stupid, stupid thing (laughs) where Eunice, with his power on, runs at Blob, who gets he who's immovable, as we know, and Beast stands in the middle and they pop him like a zit up into the air.
1: (laughs) They squirt him up like a soap out of a fist, (laughs) as Blob puts it. And he goes flying, does some flips and jumps through a what looks like a porthole in the side of the building.
0: Which is great. <laughs> yeah. Let's just put a porthole in the side of the building. <laughs> Let's not put any glass in it. We don't. We don't need glass.
1: Yeah, it's open. There's no glass shattering or anything. There's a chandelier uh, that happens to be right next to the porthole that he's able to grab onto with his foot, and uh, from there he's able to swing around. And he luckily grabs a bookcase.
0: There's a weird thing that he says. I thought you were supposed to hide things behind paintings, not bookcases. Just a weird line. Eh. He moves a bookcase out of the way, and there's. The diamond
1: stuck behind a little laser encased cage, which he very carefully, with perfect control of his hand, reaches in and gets the diamond and jumps out the porthole and lands on a telephone wire, just hangs out there for a while.
0: And then he basically realizes, you know what,
1: I, I think, you know, my
0: mind's kind of foggy, but I don't I don't I think this is a bad idea i'm i'm stealing stuff i don't like this mastermind uses an illusion to set the telephone wire
1: on fire i know this isn't real but for the life of me i believe it beast jumps down and decides to give him the diamond anyways uh, but he's gonna take off
0: i don't want to be part of your crazy crazy team and then a bunch of construction workers show up and uh I guess one of them recognizes Mastermind as a mutie me and the boys beat up two years ago.
1: So that might refer back to an X-Men issue. I don't actually know.
0: I I don't know. That's just like, remember two years ago we beat up that mutant? That's him. Let's get him.
1: Well, from Marvel dialogue, I mean, they like to tie things back together. I'm just curious why there's not like a little asterisk belt of like, Remember? Issue 48? But there's not. Anyways, Mastermind says, bring it on, and he creates kind of, uh, you know, the monster from the Fantastic Four first issue, climbing out <laughs> of the earth. I mean, that's basically what it looks like.
0: Every monster in the Marvel <laughs> universe is the monster from the Fantastic Four issue.
1: Yeah, big mouth, green, climbing out of the earth. And the guys are, oh my God, they run away. And uh meanwhile, the, well, I guess Beast didn't leave after all. They all went back to the um carnival.
0: We get four panels where the beast slowly regains his memory and suddenly he's like, oh. (laughs) I know you guys. (laughs) And I know who I am. And then he strikes. Now I see it, the
1: brotherhood of mutants, the brotherhood of evil mutants. And you used me, tricked me,
0: played on my guilt and fear. But now I'll get
1: even. It seems like a lot of these stories in Amazing Adventures are done in the first person or third person. Like, until the picture is whole, and it shows you your soul, and you know, and you strike. Even uh, in some of the other tales that we will read in Amazing Adventures, there's a whole lot of uh, talking for the protagonist. Odd writing style, but it works.
0: They're all fighting in this small little cabin, and beast... Uh, Gets launched through the ceiling by Blob (laughs) and Eunice who use their soap trick (laughs) again and then Beast makes sure when he comes back down to make cause as much damage as possible.
1: He's jumping around uh, and uh, he jumps into a cage, one of those uh, railroad car cages that you'd have a lion in. First
0: he he says, if the soap is shoved back into the fist, the hand
1: has to open. Right. And so that's his (laughs) plan here. So he jumps into there. The Blob and Eunice jump into the railroad car. Beast jumps out, locking the door. And Eunice and Blob's powers are basically repelling one another. So they're just kind of flopping back and forth into this railroad car. Just awful. (laughs) (laughs) I know. It's pretty stupid. Because we've already established that Beast has the power of a movability. So he could just say, I'm not moving. And it would basically be Eunice kind of like smooshed up somewhere. But we've also established that Eunice can turn off his force field if he chooses. Right. So this whole thing's stupid. Uh, Beast takes off. He He's, he's out of here. But uh, what, what lies of Mastermind? He stops
0: uh, Mastermind and he kind of meet up, uh, blocks away from the, the carnival. Uh, Beast is tracking Mastermind down to get the diamond back. But Beast, uh, Mastermind throws a bunch of monsters at beast but beast is at this point realizes these aren't real and then starts ripping his clothes off
1: no more tricks mastermind he in a full page spread he jumps onto mastermind and rips you would think it would be his like stomach apart but it's just his clothes and at
0: this point mastermind his goes crazy he starts saying, dragons, real dragons, and barbarians all around me. Vampires, oh lord, swirling monsters. I am surrounded by monsters, by dragons. I know I am Mastermind. I am the mind's master.
1: So apparently because Beast was unable to believe the illusions that he was creating, the illusions reversed and went into Mastermind's mind. And he couldn't turn them off because he was too scared.
0: Yeah, I hate something like that. <laughs>
1: So Beast calls the police and said, hey, there's a diamond and a dude. Come and get them. I'm out of here. You know that diamond that got
0: stolen? It's going to be, I'm just going to leave it on the street.
1: <laughs> yeah, in the pocket of a crazy man.
0: Hopefully it'll still be there.
1: And Beast plods off in the rain once again
0: jumping ahead to amazing Avengers number 14 same team this one's <laughs> called the vampire machine
1: and beast is being attacked by missiles but we discover that he's actually on iron man's practice range because apparently he wants to go apologize to iron man or actually he realized that iron man wasn't dead or something like that one of
0: iron man's security guards shoots the beast and iron man calls him stupid <laughs> <laughs> you stupid you've shot him and then two panels are like on the next page. Fires him. Yeah, I don't need to trigger happy guard.
1: So the takeaway from this main this opening is that uh, Iron Man's like, you're a good man. You know, don't worry about it. I don't. Know, I don't believe what the other people are saying. And Beast is like, you called me a man. I'm not. I'm not okay yet. But that certainly helps. And if it means anything, I'll call you a friend. And off he goes.
0: Beast starts thinking about Linda, whether or not he can get it together with her. But then. She shows up at his door. Uh, He's returned to his apartment, and he's got to run really quickly. But the only mask he has has a hole in the neck.
1: Oh, no. He better put on a scarf. It was a rejected one, and he has no straps, and he's got no hands. What is he going to do? Oh, I know what he's going to do. He's going to put a scarf on to cover the hole, put his hands in his pockets, and pretend that he's sick.
0: And it works. Although, she offers, Linda Donaldson offers to Uh, make him some soup and take care of him. And Hank freaks out. No, no, I'm, I'm too contagious.
1: You'll catch it too. Keep away. And then she leaves. It gets a little bit more risque than that. She says, let's get you out of that robe and I'll massage medicine all over your tummy and I'll toss in a kiss as an incentive to get well fast. (laughs) <laughs> and that's when beast freaks out yeah, but... <laughs> <laughs> linda leaves and beast is like why he just starts trash in the apartment and to his credit i mean this is kind of a realistic moment i mean beast is uh we've established maybe 21 at this point 2021 and he's probably not had too much action with the ladies and here was a woman that was like willing to just give it up to a man who is sick and he's like this will never happen again. Look at me. <laughs> I am never going to get any action. And he freaks. I think I would, too.
0: As uh, Linda Donaldson is leaving, the mysterious woman with the glasses from the last uh, issue shows up at the, the door and rings the doorbell, but Hank has already run out the window.
1: Yep, so we'll find out what happens to that later, perhaps. But he heads back, Beast, that is, heads back to the Brand Corporation because I think he needs to slip into his lab To get his real mask and gloves, but... Right, he left it there.
0: Because I guess last issue when he was just running around, it's because he left the lab and needed to stretch his legs as a beast. That was two issues ago, I guess,
1: but... So what he doesn't realize is as he jumps into the parking lot of the Brand Corporation, it's actually a um, trap that was set by the Baxter guy, whatever his name is.
0: He's surrounded by troopers with guns and they start shooting at him and... They go by Buzz and
1: Pat Baxter and they're
0: they're all cornering him into the lab and then Hank McCoy comes out of the lab.
1: Because the captain is like he says something about McCoy. But then he turns around and says, McCoy, what are you doing here? Me Captain, why I work here? The guards at the gate were all running this direction. So I wandered over to see what the excitement is.
0: Baxter doesn't believe him. Where have you been these past few days and uh that's when Linda shows up and and Hank says, well, I've been with Linda. Uh, she'll know all about it.
1: And then Linda's like, nah, she wasn't with me. I, I
0: don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know this guy. What are you talking about, Hank? That's not true. And then Buzz Baxter's like, you you just lied to me. You lied to my face. <laughs> Meet me tomorrow. Because we just, we just think we cornered the beast and we're going to go get him. And that's when Hank is like the beast. But I'm the beast. Who have they cornered? This is a great panel with uh, Hank's face looking totally fake in these glasses.
1: So what I wondered, though, really is, uh, I mean, we get a little thing of Linda being like, oh, America is such a great place and I just can't lie and blah, blah, blah. But we've already established that she's like trying to like get something out of him. Why wouldn't she, why wouldn't she stand up and be like, yeah, sure. He was with me. We're good. I was rubbing his tummy with medicine. Well, we'll find out. <laughs>
0: Will we? Well, uh, yeah, we do find out. She basically is trying to seem more wholesome. Yeah, okay. She's making her character that she's pretending to be be more trustworthy to the American government, I sure.
1: guess. And so as they walk off into the fog, uh, Linda expresses her love for Hank McCoy. I love you. And uh, I guess I love you too. I didn't mean to be angry.
0: So Hank goes back to the lab and uh, he's trying to formulate a cure. And then he gets another beast. Uh, the shadow of another beast shows up. Hank McCoy, the beast, goes after this shadow. And it turns out to be Quasimodo, the living computer. Remember him? No. <laughs> He was in an issue of X-Men when we were like, who's this guy?
1: It says here that he was from the Fantastic Four special number four, but...
0: That's where he was first seen.
1: I don't remember him from the X-Men. He was in...
0: I don't remember what issue it was.
1: Was he a villain or was he just like a cameo? He
0: was Computo. I think Computo turned out to be Quasimodo.
1: Oh, okay. (laughs) You say so. Well, Quasimodo, uh, he is a computer uh, and he longs to be human. And Silver Surfer gave him a body, but that's not enough. He needs a soul or something? I don't know. He wants to steal... You know, his
0: plan is to take... To, to, to
1: I guess, uh, steal Beast's soul or maybe his body. He wants to steal uh, Beast's life force. And I don't know why specifically Beast, but it turns out that... Quasimodo is a kind of like a vampire, a psychic vampire, if you will.
0: He's really impressed by Beast's metabolism and his abilities. He feels that Beast's metabolism could finally push him beyond electronic mimicry and could make him live.
1: Yeah, so they fight for a while and they talk about what it means to be human. And Basically, I think this is all just a metaphor for... Hank to realize that even though he's stuck in his beast form, that he can still be a human being. At least that's what I took away from it. They fight for a whole whole long time here. Yeah, they
0: get on one of those abandoned construction sites.
1: <laughs> yep, yeah, uh, Beast is uh, balancing on a girder, and they're fighting on one of those. Uh, but then something odd happens. Uh, he is shot by a nail gun, and he's like, bring it on! You can't shoot me! But all of a sudden, he, he gets hit, and he's bleeding, and he's not healing. And something's changing in in his powers it appears my powers where are my powers quasimodo jumps in after the beast and they go uh they're getting ready to go hurtling towards the ground and i guess quasimodo makes uh, the decision that he has been wrong this whole time
0: even, even though beast is dying he feels that he's dying he continues to fight and quasimodo Says even against all hope you fight on and the further that I take that I take the time to look, I see you are badly wounded. My desire for your life force is pointless. So I have no reason. So I'm really dramatic and I'm gonna jump.
1: And he jumps to presumably his death. He killed himself. I know I should say it killed himself, but despite his final words that's not the way it was. He was a person. I guess. Wait, he, so he didn't want Beast's life force because Beast bled or because he came to like a realization that it wasn't right? Uh, because Beast bled. <laughs> oh, you're not as powerful as I thought you were. I don't want your life force. The only logical thing to do is kill myself. Well, because Beast is
0: dying right now. Yeah. And so to steal the life force of somebody who's dying is kind of stupid.
1: But then he decides to jump off the building and kill himself. That's also stupid. Okay. <laughs> All right. So Beast here finishes up on the girder saying, Wow. How can I fight anything uh, anymore without my powers? And what did he mean by he reports to Agent 9? Oh, yeah, we missed that. Agent 9 sent uh, Quasimodo out.
0: And apparently Mastermind.
1: That's right. We did miss that as well. This is all very important. Not really, but yeah. it's worth mentioning. <laughs> <laughs> now we're going to move on to Amazing Adventures number 15. This one features on the cover a dude named the Griffin...
0: This is the first appearance of the griffin.
1: Oh, it's a collector's edition, everybody. And it also has the angel falling to his demise.
0: Oh, there's an X-Men in this one.
1: There's two X-Men, Beast and Angel.
0: Oh, right, right. This is the November 1972 issue, and it's titled Murder in Midair. And it's also by Steve Englehart and Tom Sutton.
1: Beast falls into the arms of a red-headed woman. Pat Baxter. And uh, she's wondering what's going on. Looks like he's going to bleed to death. And it's at this point that Beast has his uh, obligatory um, flashback to figure out how he got to where he was.
0: That goes on for a few pages. And Pat Baxter decides to take care of... uh, the beast for some, because I guess she's empathic and whatnot. So she decides just, you know, she's a good person. She'll take care of him. And, uh, it's at this point when the beast wakes up that his fur has changed from gray to black.
1: I also got to point out though, that I think she's, he's been out for a couple of hours she has not taken the time to change out of her nighty. <laughs> she has been in her nighty, her sexy little nighty, this entire time. Now, I thought Beast was blue, and I know that they usually use blue to accent the the black to give it highlights, but in modern X-Men, is he blue or is he black?
0: Well, I wonder as we go if this black with blue highlights is actually going to transform into blue.
1: With black highlights.
0: Black highlights, or if it's just something that just kind of... Because I know he uh, he... Doesn't he re- re- refer to himself as the blue beast at some point? I thought he did. Yeah, I guess we'll find out. Right now he's black. Eventually he's blue.
1: So anyways, he takes off out the door and uh, Pat's like, you've been running all your life, haven't you, Hank McCoy? And he's like,
0: what? you talk a lot in your sleep. <laughs> and she's like, sit down.
1: We flash over to the X-Men mansion. We get a little bit of backstory with them. Looks like we've got Angel, Cyclops, Marvel Girl, and the Professor sitting around drinking coffee. And they're reading a column about the Beast at the Brand Corporation. It must be him, Professor. The way everybody refuses to talk about it, including Hank. There must be trouble. If there is Hank, it is Hank's affair. Uh, He told the X-Men to keep away. Uh, He's his own man now.
0: Angel's not having it, and so he immediately rips off his clothes (laughs) and flies out the window.
1: He doesn't put an X-Men costume on or anything. He just takes his shirt off and goes out there with just his pants on.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Shall I stop him, Professor? No, Scott. It's not a question of right and wrong, or of my obligation to Hank versus my obligation to Warren. It's a question of feelings, and this is something the
1: angel feels in his heart he must do. (laughs) So you can't leave the mansion unless you really have a strong feeling that it's important. (laughs) Well, anyways, the Beast is, I guess they had a conversation. He and Pat had a conversation for a while. But uh, the Beast took off, and uh, this crazy griffin dude comes out of nowhere and attacks the Beast. And says, I will tear you to ribbons. They fight for a while.
0: (laughs) Yeah, what can we take away from this?
1: They just fight and fight. Angel shows up at one point. He's like, there's two monsters fighting each other and both of them are strange. Which one should I attack? And it looks like Beast has gotten the upper hand, so Angel flies in to save the griffin, assuming that Beast must be the enemy, at which point the griffin punches the angel in the face, and Angel realizes that, no, the black beast must be the hero, and uh, griffin must be the villain. And they crash land at the ground.
0: At that point, Beast jumps to save Angel. Griffin. The griffin decides to take off. And the, the griffin just takes off.
1: And uh, it's at this point that um, uh, Angel realizes that Beast is Beast, and they have a little—I don't know what you want to call it, a little—
0: They do some, like,
1: wrestling of sorts. (laughs) A little— Man wrestling. Let's do some of that gay wrestling we used to do, you know. All right, fine. Yeah, so I think it's because—is Angel wounded or something? I can't really tell but uh Beast decides to carry Angel back to uh Beast's apartment where Beast puts on his uh play- latex costume and uh they go hang out.
0: Yeah, and then uh they he Beast straps himself up so he has to stand upright and Angel straps himself up so that he his wings are away. Presumably he borrows one of Hank's oversized shirts and then we cut away to Linda Donaldson, agent nine calling her master number one calling to register a complaint a complaint number nine against whom says cobra commander
1: <laughs> number one and i think we'll learn that most of these numbered people other than linda Donaldson, all wear cobra commander hoods uh
0: mastermind tried to capture the beast on my orders number nine but quasimodo came on his own after secretly reading your reports it was unauthorized it won't reoccur
1: But I want to ask you, why you sabotaged McCoy's story to Air Force Security yesterday? You can't pick his brain if he's in jail. And this is where your theory comes to light. (laughs) Because I thought it would
0: solidify my (laughs) pose as a good American. And it did.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So don't badger me, number one. Tread carefully, number
0: nine. (laughs) As with medics, that is the reward for incompetence in the secret empire. So yeah, this is the secret empire we're dealing with.
1: And uh, she's like, incompetence, if you'd stop interfering, sending agents. Good Lord, what is that? It's the griffin.
0: (laughs) Griffin shows up. Don't throw a fit, number nine.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I've got to talk to number one real quick. So the griffin is also (laughs) an agent of the secret organization. (laughs) Should I call you Griffin or number 16? <laughs>
0: in my room in broad daylight, she says. Is everybody crazy except for me? Number
1: nine? Blondie, nobody ever sees me. That's why I started in this racket.
0: We get the origin of the Griffin, where he's, he's just some muscle dude. It's a hood. And then he joins the secret empire, and they transform his hands into paws, <laughs> lion's paws. And they give him a, a permanently graft, a wing, and mane to him.
1: Yeah, so he's like, they told me they'd make me into an honest to Pete supervillain. What they didn't tell me was the cost. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then uh, number nine leaves. Complain to number one. Griffin, it's his day for it. I could care less. And then number one says, number nine. Number nine, come <laughs> back here.
1: <laughs> Blast number one. If he's not careful, I might ah shove it. And so she is monitoring the police station, or where Baxter and Pat, wherever their office is. She's got a camera on them. Baxter's
0: wife is there. Buzz Baxter scheduled a meeting with Hank because he doesn't quite trust him,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and uh, Hank has decided to show up with Angel, and now he's got a solid excuse. He says, "I was with my buddy, my buddy Warren here, where we were. I just skipped work for a couple of days."
1: Warren's like, "Yep." checks out we
0: were together and uh buzz doesn't believe him but that's when pat stepped in and says darling buzz it's true they were in a restaurant arguing
1: i know because i overheard them (laughs) arguing and buzz is like what restaurant what are you what are you talking about but 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 there's like three panels of buzz like but but (laughs) yeah but Went to restaurant. What Pat? I I have to believe you, of course. But but,
0: and then I think we never see Buzz Baxter and Pat Baxter again.
1: <laughs> the intro and exit of Pat of Pat and Buzz. So whatever they leave uh, the well the office because Buzz can't stop them because buzz or uh, Beast is cleared or Hank McCoy is cleared. So immediately as they get to the Brand Corporation sign. They decide to take off all of their clothes and turn into Angel and the Beast. And I'm kind of like, Why, <laughs> can you not wait? Could you not get a car going to the country? Because uh, they want to break loose and be wild and be free. That's the the like Beast is just
0: going to go back to his apartment again. And then someone's going to show up and he's not going to have his mask. And he's going to be like, shit,
1: I left it in the bushes. <laughs> <laughs> now, what bushes did I leave them in? Damn it. Well, of course, as soon as they transform into their Angel and Beast personas, who should show up but... Agent Seventeen, I mean uh, the Griffin, <laughs> and they fight.
0: And uh, yeah, they they fight for a little while.
1: They fight for a long time. There's a little bit of cooperation between Beast and the Angel. They eventually take out uh, the Griffin and go back to Hank's apartment. And Hank says, uh, "Thanks for stopping by. Let the other X-Men know what's going on. Uh, but I got things to do here.
0: If you want to be left alone, like Greta Garbo, you've got it." but if you ever need any help thanks my fine feathered friend
1: it was great having him here and uh so he's looking at his makeup kit and uh he's like well i i should probably take this library book back to the library <laughs> <laughs> and he does and who should he meet at the library but well we won't tell you uh but it's it's somebody who recognizes Hank who happens to be at the library with mousy hair uh who Hank turns around and says you
0: it's a girl with glasses yeah a mysterious girl with glasses
1: and that's the end of amazing tales number
0: 15 we're doing a doctor strange number 182 which uh took place in from september 1969 and it's called and juggernaut makes three and it's uh roy thomas writing gene colon artist And uh, what's been going on with the Juggernaut? Last we saw the Juggernaut, he was in the Crimson Cosmos, trapped there for eternity.
1: Yeah. So something happened with Doctor Strange. I don't get it. He doesn't look like Doctor Strange. He's got no hair.
0: Well, Doctor, this was like a period that Doctor Strange went through where he had this mask.
1: Oh, okay.
0: The weird Doctor Strange mask. Uh, Basically, Doctor Strange is fighting Nightmare. In nightmare's realm, because nightmare has kidnapped eternity, and Dr. Strange thinks, well, the only way that I can rescue eternity is if I bring Night- uh, is I- if I bring juggernaut from the cl- the crimson cosmos into nightmare's realm and then they'll fight each other
1: that's what dr. Strange thinks yeah god I, I read this like twice, and I didn't get that out of this.
0: I had to read it a couple times too because it was it was difficult.
1: I thought it was just like a coincidence. He's like, hey, I'm the Juggernaut, and I happen to be here.
0: No, it wasn't. And and I guess Dr. Strange also gave him some powers to fight Nightmare with, because uh, he's got, like, mystic spells and, and uh, fires beams from his hands and whatnot. And so they fight for a while, and uh, Dr. Strange uh, uses that time to get back his is the Eye of Agamotto or whatever it's called. Mm-hmm. The Amulet of Ag- whatever.
1: Agamotto, something like that. <laughs> should point out that uh, Juggernaut's legs have no armor. I think that's going to kind of uh, change as we go through the <laughs> various Juggernaut stories we have for you. The art
0: in this issue is pretty weird. It's very psychedelic. Everybody's all skinny and wiry
1: the panels are weird the everything's weird i don't know if i could be a dr strange fan in 1969 (laughs) unless maybe you just like dropped acid and read dr strange like
0: whoa which i think is the idea
1: (laughs) okay juggernaut
0: realizes that dr strange is using him to get his eye back and uh then they team up nightmare and juggernaut
1: well wait now he says here's another little trick i learned in the crimson domain and he talks about these mystic spells are you sure Dr. Strange gave him those spells?
0: Well, maybe not. I, I I thought in a later issue he refers to having lost the spells that Dr. Strange gave him or something like that.
1: Let me give you my take on this. I think that whoever wrote this kind of wrote this Juggernaut story. And as they wrote the rehashing in future issues, they kind of like, that made no sense. And then they started inserting some things behind the pages. Because all I got was like, Juggernauts in the Crimson Sidorak domain... And then somehow got transferred into Nightmare's domain and uh, then they left him there or something like that.
0: I I don't know whether they leave him there or he gets knocked out. But uh, the idea of this, the the takeaway for Juggernaut of this issue is that um, Juggernaut has been moving around from dimension to dimension.
1: Yeah, but at the end of this particular issue, uh, he is not on Earth. That's that's the takeaway. He's he's, he's still in a, a, a different dimension. And he's, But he's not in the Crimson Sidorak dimension.
0: This episode is brought to you by The Word Takeaway.
1: Oh, my gosh. That issue is so hard to read. And there's only like <laughs> six panels of the Juggernaut. I'm like, what is going on here?
0: <laughs> but we're, we're now going to divert to Amazing Adventures number 16, the January 1973 issue. And this one is titled, And the Juggernaut Will Get You If You Don't
1: Watch Out. And it's by Steve Englehart. And Bob Brown. And in this particular story, the beast is running across the street to meet somebody.
0: Oh, and look, it turns out to be. Well, he better change back into his Hank McCoy costume first.
1: Yeah. Um, also, I think the guys that he cuts off in the car are all people from the Marvel bullpen.
0: Yeah, there's <laughs> Len, who's Len Ween or Len Wine. Yeah. Um, Roy is in there somewhere, Roy Thomas. Steve is either Steve Engelhard or Steve Gerber.
1: Yeah, is Tom Fagan somebody? Because they're all going to Steve or Tom Fagan's party.
0: Yeah, probably.
1: Uh, anyways, it's just a. Elena,
0: I think, is somebody's wife.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. So it's just kind of a dumb aside. But anyways, he uh, changes from his beast-like uh, persona into his Hank McCoy persona,
0: so that he can reveal himself to the girl from the previous issue who is just waking up. In the middle of the forest.
1: <laughs> yeah, she was sleeping for some reason. Uh, but it's it's Vera, everybody. The mystery girl that we've been following for the last few issues is Vera. You remember Vera, don't you? I do. Yeah. Vera and Zelda. Vera's got something to show, Beast, I guess.
0: Yeah, they're, they're, they're traveling, but I guess we'll learn more about that later. Um, they run down to hitchhike with the Marvel editorial group. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wonder if they all really look like that. This guy's got, like, a wife beater on. He's got a, he's a muscle shirt, and he's got the muscles to show it, and he's got long hair, and he looks like a hippie.
1: Well, he's got, like, a mullet. He's got, like, a bald head mullet type thing going yeah. on, so it's kind of weird. Come over. Yeah. And I don't think anybody would truly draw somebody like that, so it has to be a characterization of somebody. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Anyways. And as they drive away with Hank and Vera in, in their car, uh, the juggernaut drops out of... What, wherever he is i'm free of that stinking cosmos eternity tossed me into yep. do you hear
1: me earth the juggernaut is back and this is, refers right back to dr strange number 8182. 182 uh and i should point out that now the juggernaut has pants on before he did not have pants now he has pants <laughs>
0: <laughs> i think maybe he had pants they were just
1: flesh tone colored pants <laughs> Well, now they're all orange yeah. like, whatever color this is, is maroon so he's stretching out and he's like, the, I'm the juggernaut, bitch, right? He says that. <laughs> but then the domain, the crimson domain or whatever domain it is, sucks him back in. And he's like, No, come on. Good use of a page.
0: <laughs> you get kind of a, a flashback of the juggernaut where he, a voice tells him exactly what happened. You were beaten by the X Men and consigned to the realm of nightmare, where you did do battle with Doctor Strange for a time until the awesome, unfathomable eternity effortlessly thrust you into oblivion where you have remained.
1: Yeah. And so apparently he keeps dropping out of this domain and then being sucked back into the domain.
0: Whoever's in charge, whoever's this mysterious voice that's commanding Juggernaut to do stuff wants him to track down the beast, even though the beast looks really different to Juggernaut, but he, he... You understand. Oh, oh, that's the beast from before.
1: So there's something also about this Rutland on Halloween. And by the way, this issue, they're all going to like a holiday Halloween party in Rutland.
0: Yeah, I guess there's a theme of this Rutland Halloween thing that happens in other Marvel comics that I was unfamiliar with and remain (laughs) unfamiliar with.
1: I think it's a 70s thing that like somebody at some point was like, this is dumb. And they just never did it again. (laughs) So bad things happened in Rutland on Halloween. Enough said
0: and they probably usually involve involve the marvel staff.
1: So they uh they go to this I don't know party or something and the marvel staff are like come on you can hang or no you can't come in cuz you don't have an invitation.
0: Right. So they go for a walk. They're like whatever. And uh Vera tells they talk about why what's been going on which is that Vera told Hank that they need to go on a mission to stop doomsday. Yeah. Hank, I need a top scientist specializing in mutations, and that's you. You'll have to trust me. And pray you're as good as I think you are.
1: So later on, they run back into the Marvel crew who says, Hey, you're invited to the party.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We got you an invite, dude. We got you an invite, dudes.
1: So they come into the party, and as they're rocking out, uh, there's a... There's a faux Superman in there and a faux Flash in there, but not really. The logos are slightly different.
0: Yeah, that Superman logo is just really weird. Oh, it's a G for Glynnis.
1: Oh, okay. And uh, the Juggernaut pops out of the dimensional hole into the middle of the party and trashes the place.
0: He trashes... Well, they're not at the party yet. They're at some sort of float. Uh, there's like a, a Halloween parade. And then Juggernaut smashes a float and then gets sucked back into the dimension.
1: As, I guess as he gets nearer to midnight, uh, he, he's staying longer each time as it gets near to midnight. So he'll be back. He'll be back. He'll be back.
0: Turns out Glennis is missing after all of this. So Beast says, uh, "We Vera go back to that motel? And check on it. I'm and check in. I'm gonna go with the others to hunt. And he disappears from the others and strips off his costume to become the beast. Yep. And the beast fits right in in this Halloween land.
1: And he makes note of that. Of like, I fit right in here with the Halloween costumes. But he takes off away from the Halloween party and uh, he's able to go exactly where the juggernaut is dropped out of his dimension from.
0: No sign of him anywhere, and I've been everywhere. And then he just shows up.
1: The, <laughs> the Juggernaut! The, the Beast! beast. <laughs> number nine! <laughs> number number one? Number 17! <laughs> so Beast is like, you know me, even though I've changed. Well, let me throw this rock at you.
0: <laughs> they do some fighting, and Beast tries to rip off Juggernaut's helmet unsuccessfully.
1: The Juggernaut says, you may remember I'm powerless without my headpiece, but I thought... Without his headpiece, he was just susceptible to mental attacks. Well, I mean, wasn't that what we established in the X-Men comics, though?
0: Well, yeah, they, exactly. So there, it seems like it's kind of a retcon
1: oh, okay. of sorts. So read, readjusting his powers as they go. Okay, fair enough. So they fight some more.
0: Beast jumps over a danger high voltage.
1: 20,000 volts. That's no problem. Juggernaut just walks right on through it.
0: And uh, Beast jumps into some water, thinking that Juggernaut might be too heavy, but... The, uh, his mystic powers don't let him sink, and in fact, he's never swam in his new body before. My blasted fur waterlog slows me, and against Juggy, I don't need that.
1: Lots of Marvel superheroes call him Juggy, and I'm I'm not a fan of that uh, shortened version of his name.
0: <laughs> well, every everybody's like Beasty, Spidey.
1: Oh, we're gonna get into some really bad ones as we go on. Let's say they fight some more. Uh, I guess Beast is able to knock Juggernaut off the side of a cliff. And that gives him the break that he needs, and so he takes off back to uh, the party, I guess. And he dresses up in his beast, beast, well, his Hank McCoy costume, I suppose. I should say he gets into the party. This is where we start talking about, uh, we start talking about Marvel superheroes, the Invisible Girl and Roy. And I guess the last appearance of the
0: Marvel staff was in Avengers number eighty-three and feature number two.
1: Okay. And it's at this point that the Juggernaut bashes through the wall. Balloom! Beast, I should say Hank McCoy, runs up the stairs into the attic and is trapped.
0: I guess Juggernaut can follow Beast by his emanations, so he's not
1: fooled by his costume. His emanations, so Hank just stinks. (laughs) (laughs) What is that? Oh, it's just Hank. He's emanating again. So the uh, Juggernaut goes up into the attic and he sees this simpering beast man. And, uh,
0: and that's when Beast, in four panels, slowly rips off his face and turns around. And it's he looks pretty blue here, but I guess it's the black-faced beast snarls at Juggernaut and rips off his helmet. At which point Juggernaut cries, You've stolen my
1: powers and you've doomed me. The hour is exactly midnight.
0: Juggernaut runs away and Beast starts going after him and uh, Juggernaut hops into a car.
1: He looks like a big fat tick here. Like in Doctor <laughs> Strange 182, he looked like a big buff, strong man. Here he looks like a big stupid tick. He's even got, look, like, on like the second to last panel on page 28, he's got little man boobs. He's got little boobs built into his armor.
0: <laughs> he rips off the door of the car and gets into the car, but the, the car won't start. And, uh, oh, I guess he didn't rip off the door. Beast knocks him through the car, beats him down, and it turns out that the juggernaut is slowly aging. Well, not not even quickly aging, rather.
1: He's quickly aging and losing his strength. And by the end of page 30, it says, uh, he just is a balding old man. Effects of the other dimension tried to age me. Hate was an
0: antidote, kept me young. But when you beat me, Hate turned to fear. Youth ended. Don't know why he's speaking in these stunted sentences.
1: Fear turned to anger, and anger led to the dark side. (laughs) (laughs) Now he must return to the dimension to quickly finish aging and die. You couldn't know, but I die anyway.
0: (laughs) And then the beast is alone, terribly alone. Where is my juggernaut? (laughs) Why is he alone? I miss him.
1: He was my buddy. (laughs) <laughs> and we get a final panel of the beast in the moonlight, not howling, but certainly looking up as if he was about to let out a howl. Yeah, I bet he howls. <laughs> so, how do you like that, Adam? The Juggernaut is dead. Yeah, it's
0: it's sad, really. And and apparently, uh, the Amazing Adventures adventures of Beast were not doing well in the letters pages of this issue. It reveals that they're they're going to move on to something else because the sales just weren't there.
1: Issue 17 of Amazing Adventures is a recap of the origin story told earlier in the X-Men. So that was probably a a nice fork in it. Like, that's just how we're going to end this. But honestly, I got to say, I thought the Amazing Adventures featuring the Beast somewhat corny, but I thought overall were were pretty good, you know? Yeah, I agree. I, I certainly enjoyed reading them. A lot more than some other books, uh, and I guess that, in my opinion, they probably could have kept going on and on. And I really like the idea of somebody being like, "Huh, you're not using this Marvel character? Let me use him for something," and then turning him into a hairy beast.
0: Yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't know much about who came up with that idea or what's going on, but I, I'm betting it was Roy Thomas. He does everything.
1: Yeah, probably. At this point, I think he's writing and editing, uh, or the chief editor, anyways.
0: Next up, we have. Incredible Hulk number 161, the March 1973 issue. We're back to the Hulk. And we have, uh, this one's called Beyond the Border Lurks Death. And this one's written by Steve Englehart. Remember him? I do. And uh, apparently he's not willing to let go of the
1: beast. On the cover of this particular comic, you have Velma from Scooby-Doo laying on a pile of rocks. And you have a man who looks very much like the Mimic laying in a tube. Hmm. Interesting. And then as you open up the book, you find out, in fact, that it is actually the Mimic. It's uh, a a splash of the Mimic, Hulk, and Beast getting ready to do duel. This is what I was talking about a little earlier about the nicknames. Jade Jaws. Really? That's the Hulk's nickname is Jade Jaws? Or Greenskin on the cover. Oh, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I'm sure they
0: also call him Hulky.
1: I don't think there's one Hulky, but there's a lot of Jade Jaws and uh, Jade... I, I don't know like, people can't call him the Hulk. they got to call him Jade Jaws. <laughs> Come here, your old Jade Jaws. Like, what? Stupid. Anyways. So,
0: we begin our story with the Hulk in Canada. And the Royal Canadian Mounties are getting ready to fight Hulk, but Hulk smash. beats them back.
1: and <laughs> Hulk smash, away. basically. Mounties didn't know what they were up against. Uh,
0: so, the Mounties uh, decide to... Uh, not allow anybody into the area uh, from the United States. This border station is closed until further notice, and that's when we cut to uh, Hank McCoy and Vera in a car trying to enter Canada. Whatever is doomsday is going to happen starts in Canada.
1: Yeah, I'd like to point out that in the last three issues that we've seen Vera, we've seen, I think, her with red hair. Brown hair and now blonde hair. Yeah, she's
0: she, she she frequently makes stops to change the color of her hair. Well,
1: maybe she's like, I'm a wanted woman, Hank. We got to change the color of our hair. Well, I can't. My hair's <laughs> rubber. <laughs> like, really? Nobody's pointing out, like, you know, <laughs> your face is awfully rubber. I guess I don't know why he's doing this dual identity thing. I mean, who cares if the world knows? Yeah. I,
0: at this point, his life is pretty much wrecked.
1: Yeah, I mean... How long can you hide this? But anyways. I guess he,
0: he's still gonna, he's still trying to date Linda Donaldson. Oh, right. He's just off on a side adventure with Vera. Uh,
1: apparently Vera just won't shut up. And so Beast only has one option, and that is to use a pressure point on the back of her neck to make her pass out. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what happens. Whatever. <laughs> uh, the only
0: way he'll be able to get across the border is by changing into Beast. So he <laughs> knocks her unconscious, as you said, by using the pressure point takes off his costume and then goes straight over a bunch of like destroys a bunch of cars. Which is kind of rude. He could have just walked through.
1: Now, my story was more entertaining, but but yes, <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what happens. Yeah, whatever. He jumps into the woods and And they're in Canada. Yay. Hooray, we made it to Canada. And uh so while Vera is awakening from the pressure point uh pass out magic he transforms himself back into Henry McCoy, and she's like, what happened? And he's just like, oh, I had to knock you out. And she's like, oh, okay, cool, let's go.
0: It's an old rum smuggler's secret, a way to sneak across the border and avoid patrols. It's so secret, I can't tell you any more about it.
1: And then he's like, I totally put it in you while you were passed out. And she's he's like, <laughs> what? Oh, boy. <laughs> For years I've been trying to get you to, well, anyways. Okay, so then we flash to the Hulk. <laughs> The Hulk's mad. Hulk is chopping down trees with his hands and and then he feels something and he feels uh, that he is being weakened and uh, he's being pulled in a certain direction and he wants to go to that direction and smash whatever it is.
0: Hulk thinks to himself when he heads in this direction, he gets weaker. Mm -hmm. So he's going to go in that direction to figure out what it is that's making him weaker and smash
1: it. Yep. Because that's how Hulk works. Problems are all solved by smashing. I agree. That's what my physics teacher told me. Anything <laughs> is possible with enough force. Apparently, uh, Vera is directing Hank to a um, cabin. What I
0: find interesting is that they're really lucky that the border that they crossed was pretty close to the cabin because they had to walk here <laughs> Yes, through all this mountainous terrain.
1: So they get there, and on the uh, porch of this building is a man they once called Calvin Rankin. But now he is known only as the Mimic because apparently he doesn't like the name Calvin Rick, Rankin.
0: Yeah. Beast kind of freaks out because he's like, oh, uh, Mimic's going to mimic my powers and turn into a beast. And then they'll know that I'm the Beast. And then he's like, uh, oh, well, he's, if, <laughs> if he's in trouble, I better help.
1: What am I going to do at this point? I find it odd that he's still wearing the the Mimic goggles. I mean, the goggles were only there to control Cyclops' power.
0: He thinks it's
1: cool. (laughs) (laughs) Check out these shades. They're awesome. (laughs) Uh, They go inside, and uh, apparently the Mimic is saying that uh, there's a cycle that's repeating itself over and over again. His,
0: His powers return. They disappear. They return. And each time they get stronger, and he gets less able to control them. And this time is the worst. And eventually it's going to become so bad that he's going to destroy the entire world. Yeah. First Canada, then America, and eventually the world. Until every single solitary soul on this planet is dead.
1: So he's also getting uh, kind of bulky and strong and he can't quite figure out why. But I think everybody knows that the Hulk... Is in Canada.
0: Yeah, I mean, we we know why. Okay, and we also learned that the reason that he doesn't steal Beast mutation is because the Hulk is stronger, and yeah. and he's he's latching on to the most uh, the strongest thing in the vicinity.
1: So as Hulk continues wandering around, he does one of his super powerful leaps, but he can't really get that high, and he just goes tumbling down to the ground. And he's mad, and there's no one who can control my power. And Hulk, Hulk is scared. Hulk is scared. <laughs> and Hulk is never scared. Hulk can't die. But Hulk is not Hulk no more. Maybe this is the end of him. General Ross has made his way, I guess, to Canada. Well, actually, he's asking for permission to enter into Canada, and they're telling him to stand down. And they're like, nope. <laughs> uh, and he does he decide to go into Canada anyways?
0: Um, No, but he says to himself... I'm going to fly into Canada in a helicopter instead of a plane, I guess. I don't know.
1: Well, so he's ordered not to go into Canada, and I think he disobeys that order. But way back in the Hulk issue that we read earlier in this episode, um, they asked him to go back to Washington for the hearing. And his partner's like, are you really going to go back to Washington? He said, yes, an order is an order, and I always follow an order. And he heads back to Washington. Well, he follows this
0: order. But then he says no fat-headed red tape-eating beer cats are going to stop Thunderbolt Ross from helping his only daughter. Oh. So I guess the difference is he's helping his daughter this time. And so he, he's willing to break protocol for his daughter.
1: I think Betty Ross and Glenn, what's-his-face, they're in Canada for a honeymoon. Something like that, I don't know. Okay. So Hulk is dizzy, Hulk fall, Hulk fall on the cabin that uh, Beast and uh, Mimic are in, and Vera.
0: Looks like he destroys the cabin, but apparently not. Uh, he doesn't destroy the the secret underground lair underneath nope, the he cabin.
1: Just, he just falls into it. Um, Mimic is tied to a cylinder, which I think is going to try to control his power. Some of the debris falls on Vera's head, uh, which makes her pass out. <laughs>
0: it actually looks like the exclamation mark <laughs> uh, lands on her head.
1: It looks like it bounced off her head. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> oh, no, it's the Hulk, says Hank McCoy. And then gets slapped aside.
1: And he heads over to Mimic, who is the draw of this power, and he's getting ready to smash Mimic. But at this point,
0: Hank has undressed off, off panel. Gee, they, gee, they fight.
1: Yep, there's some fighting between the Beast and the Hulk.
0: The uh, the Beast actually has a chance since the Hulk is so weakened, and he he's actually making a pretty good battle with the Hulk. whereas normally, I think the Hulk would take him pretty easily. As as we I guess we learned in. Uh, x-men 66 yes at this point calvin rankin gets up and uh he joins the fight i guess he, he starts absorbing all of the hulk's power i lulled my conscience up here away from people away from the real world but when i saw the hulk the hulk for pity's sake dying because of me i decided i should find a complete solution the mimic absorbs power any power the gamma radiation now surging through my form, the radiation that will kill me. And then Calvin Rankin dies.
1: Everybody feels bad for the Hulk.
0: And the Hulk doesn't really know what's going on, but I guess he realizes he saved the world, which is pretty important, he guesses. And then he he's like, no, this has nothing to do with the Hulk. I'm leaving.
1: What he wonders is going on here. There's some crazy monkey man and somebody with funny glasses and talk of saving world, which is pretty important, he guesses. And off he goes.
0: (laughs) Vera wakes up and Hank McCoy will tell her almost the truth, glossing over what is needed to ease the ragged reality of a loved one's death. And only later will he tell her all.
1: He does it because the memory of Calvin Rankin will be important to her and so is how she forms that memory. But no one needs to help the Hulk. Because he has already forgotten. Poor Hulk. So there you go. That was pretty much going to wrap up the Beast saga. I think the main takeaways that we've got at this point is that the X-Men are on lockdown. Havok and Lorna are on their way back to the mansion. It's taking them a darn long time to do it. The X-Men are aware that the Beast is now a true Beast. Uh, The Juggernaut is potentially dead and in a new dimension.
0: Kelvin Rankin also dead.
1: anybody else die? I think that's it. No, I don't think so. Yeah, I think that kind of uh, brings us up to uh, well, where we are here. How many issues do we get through? I don't know. <laughs>
0: Not enough.
1: <laughs> so for the sake of brevity, we'll skip our normal uh, uh, closing comments and just remind you that you can go out to www.redcatproductions.com forward slash Danger or head out to facebook.com forward slash Danger Room podcast or visit our Twitter feed at Danger Room Go. You could also email us at Danger Room at redcatproductions.com. Call us, leave a message at 501-GET-X-MEN. Let us know definitely with these particular episodes here. Uh, what do you think about like this middle gap are you learning some things that you didn't know before is it interesting it certainly was interesting to me to do all of the reading because there's actually a lot happening under the covers that I didn't know about true that you (laughs) until next time the danger room is closed
0: I see the mark of the beast on their faces I see them call
1: They know that my weekend Lord. <laughs>